Today in our gospel reading, we encounter Jesus as he is confronted with the following question. Lord, will only a few be saved? And in response, Jesus, in his typically enigmatic way, he doesn't really answer the question yet, the question that he's asked. The question that he's asked is about how many people will be saved. Will it only be a few? But Jesus answers a different question. The question Jesus answers is about what one, what one must do in order to be saved. And his answer is this. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Jesus goes on to explain how the people who expected to be in the kingdom, those who ate with him and drank with him, which could very well include the person who asked the question himself, they won't even be there. I like how Eugene Peterson interprets, it, interprets this in the message, and his version reads, a lot of you are going to assume that you'll sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all of your lives. You'll protest, but we've known you all our lives. But your kind of knowing can hardly be called knowing. You don't know the first thing about me. So, instead of giving the questioner the answer he probably expected, assurance that he would be one of the chosen few in the kingdom, Jesus upends expectations and tells him that there's no guarantee he'll even be there at all. Because inclusion in the kingdom isn't based on mere proximity, on those who think they know Jesus. Inclusion in the kingdom is for those who enter the narrow door. So this morning, we consider that question. What does it mean to strive to enter the narrow door into the kingdom of God? In our gospel passage today, Jesus doesn't tell us explicitly what it means to enter the narrow door. But we might begin answering this question by taking a look at who Jesus says will be in the kingdom of God. The passage tells us the people will come to the kingdom from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And we actually find the same language in Psalm 107, which is a psalm of thanksgiving for God's redemptive work of bringing the Israelites out of exile. In Psalm 107, the psalmist sings, Let the redeemed give thanks to the Lord, those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And the psalmist sings about how the people wandered, hungry and thirsty. But then they cried to the Lord and he delivered them. The psalm says he satisfied the thirsty and the hungry he filled with good things. You might hear this language about the hungry as anticipating the Magnificat. The words ascribed to Mary earlier in Luke who upon hearing the news that she would give birth to Jesus proclaims, he has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Perhaps those who enter the narrow door are not the conventionally powerful, those the world holds up for worship and admiration. Instead, those who enter the narrow door are the humble, 
who recognize their poverty and helplessness and look to Jesus to deliver them. Those who enter the narrow door receive the good things he offered. His word, the worship and community of his church, his body and blood in the Eucharist, and the gift of the Holy Spirit that he pours out on us. In contrast, in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah today, we see a very different picture. In our passage from Isaiah, we find the prophet speaking harsh words to Jerusalem's leaders because instead of trusting in the Lord, they made a covenant for their deliverance with an outsider. And the prophet has to remind them that their deliverance will come not from out there, from treaties with foreign powers, but the deliverance will come only from God. Israel, by trusting in the foreign powers, has made lies its refuge and taken shelter in falsehood, according to the prophet. But the prophet reminds them what God will do. He says, see, I am laying in Zion a foundation stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. One who trusts will not panic. Perhaps striving to enter the narrow door means that when we find ourselves in difficulty, we don't panic and look to things other than God to find our security, our bank accounts, our relationships, our accomplishments. And not that these things are bad, but these are created things. And it's only the triune God, the creator, who redeems us, who sustains us with his spirit, who can bring peace to our souls and deliver us from death. Despite a culture that may try to convince us otherwise, we will only find our peace and deliverance in God. And maybe this is why Jesus describes it as a narrow door. Because living a life of complete trust in God, depending on him for our security and following his way, where some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last, is pretty out of sync with much of our modern world. Dallas Willard describes the gospel message, where the last will be first and the first will be last, as the great inversion. He writes about this great inversion, that this idea of an all-encompassing, all-penetrating world of God, interactive at every point with our lives, where we can always be totally at home and safe, regardless of what happens in the visible dimension of the universe, is routinely treated as ridiculous. Yet striving to enter the narrow door means accepting this ridiculous notion as our reality and committing to live in this great inversion. I acknowledge, though, that living with this kind of total trust in God in the face of our world today isn't always easy. Earlier this week, uh, a picture in the New York Times caught my attention. It showed a priest in a field full of crosses just outside of Kiev in Ukraine. He was wearing muddy vestments and carrying a thurible for incense, 
Not that different from the one we use here at Res. He just presided over the mass burial of 21 unidentified civilian victims of the war and had performed about 400 such burials since April. It was heartbreaking to see the ministry that this man was called to perform. Yet I couldn't miss seeing that everywhere you looked, at the head of every grave was a cross. And it reminded me that if we find our trust in God wavering in the tragedy and confusion of our postmodern world, we need look to the source of this great inversion that we've placed our faith in, the cross. In the cross, we see a God who takes what looks to the world like death, failure, and total defeat, and delivers on his promise of victory and resurrected life. In the cross, we find the foundation for an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom we heard about in our reading from Hebrews today. In Hebrews, the writer depicted a sharp contrast between the shakable and the unshakable. The created, the created reality and the reality of God's kingdom. And the writer tells us that all will be shaken, the earth and also the heaven, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. And what will remain has as its center God and the Son and those who put their faith in him. Years ago, um, when I was living in Los Angeles, I experienced my first earthquake. Uh, it was the middle of the night and I was asleep. And I woke up to the feeling that my apartment building, and I was on the fourth floor, it was swaying. So I did what was common wisdom at the time, which according to Google, uh, you're not supposed to do this anymore, but I went and stood in the door frame between my bedroom and the living room. Now, if you've ever been in an earthquake, you know that it can be a very disconcerting and frightening event because you have no idea how long it's going to last and which direction it's going to go. Is it going to get worse so that things start falling down all around you, or is it gradually going to subside? That night, thankfully, the earthquake subsided, but the terror was in that moment of not knowing. For all I could do was hold on to the doorframe and pray. Sometimes, kind of like an earthquake, we personally experience the shaking of the created order in painful ways where it feels like the things we've always depended on are being pulled out from under us. It could be a divorce or a relationship deteriorating, loss of job, a debilitating illness, or it could just be being worn out by the trials of everyday life. And you may not know if whatever it is that's causing you difficulty or pain is going to get better or is it only going to get worse. But, like I felt about that doorframe and the earthquake, God offers his protection through the shaking. He invites you through the narrow door into his kingdom where you will be safe, even if it seems like everything is falling down around you. This, this is the unwavering kind of trust in God we prayed about earlier today when we recited Psalm 46 together. God is our refuge and our strength, 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be moved, and though the hills be carried into the midst of the sea. By continuing to put our trust in God and following him, then when all that is opposed to him falls away in us and in the world, we will find ourselves, having come through the narrow door, present in his unshakable kingdom. But it's up to us. It's up to us to choose to place our trust in God, to choose the narrow door in a world that tells us it's ridiculous and that we should should put our trust in other things. I like this quote by Austin Farr, an Anglican theologian, which speaks to this choice God offers to us. God makes every one of us his friend. He sets us at his table. He shares his thought with us. He shows us his kindness. He puts an infinite price upon our love. God holds our love for him incomparably more dear than we hold the love of those who are dearest to us. Nothing moves our penitence more than to recognize that we have withheld what God desires and despised what he prizes most. As we take a moment of silence, I invite you to consider, are there ways that you're being shaken? And if there are, does your life, your choices reveal that you've chosen the narrow door to put your trust in the Lord to deliver you? But wherever we are at today, as we prepare to come to the table, know that God has set this table for you and invites you to enter the narrow door into his unshakable kingdom where he offers you his love and the body and blood of the Son. Mm-hmm.